Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change where we talk about current events and how they relate to interpersonal violence and abuse. Outspoken is a project of the Hayes Caldwell Women's Center located in San Marcos, Texas. If you or someone you know has experienced abuse and is seeking support, services, or needs more information, links to resources can be found in our episode description. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts and guests and do not reflect the views of their organizations or affiliates. Welcome to Outspoken, a podcast for social change. I'm Megan. I'm Kiara. And I'm Kirsten. We have a new educator joining us today, and I'm going to let you introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Claudia. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm First Nations Native American and First Generation Italian. I have a background in health education, math education, math education, political organizing for queer people and people of color, and I've done some stuff with plants. (laughs) I love to dance, learn, cook, swim, do art, and I pride myself on the fact that I am a very good neighbor. I appreciate that as a person who has a neighbor that I don't like. I love hosting things with all my neighbors. I like have them over for movies and bring them cookies. I love that. I love, I love that. that too. Yeah. And I'm so happy you're on our team now. Me too. I'm glad you're here. Thanks. I yeah. feel the love. <laughs> Yay. Well, this episode is going to be focused around self-love and the holidays. With the holiday season coming up, it can be a stressful time with lots of expectations, which has inspired us to write this episode, actually. This episode is about self-care and self-compassion around the holidays, how we can set boundaries with family members. So we're going to get started off with a little reflection with Claudia. Yeah, I used to host a radio show and we I did guided journaling, so I kind of wanted to bring that here. Mm-hmm. So I invite everybody to think about or write down what their favorite things are about the holidays. Like what makes traveling, hosting, planning, cooking, shopping, all of that worth it for you. If you're listening at home, you can go ahead and pause for self-reflection or you can just keep playing for our responses. I'll go ahead and give my response. I genuinely, truly enjoy cooking food for other people. That's actually a... Yeah, it's really fun for me, and I I like being able to serve other people in that way, so maybe it's a little bit selfish, but I really love seeing other people enjoy food together. And I have some family members that I really, really love, and I don't get to see them many other times, so mm-hmm. getting together and having them stay at my house or spending time with them is can be really lovely. Yeah, I agree. My grandma pulls out this big book of recipes, and it's literally this like ultra document of every single thing she's ever cooked for every holiday ever. And it's like all in this one book. Um, (laughs) I also love everybody cooking together and getting together. I love seeing all the women in my family. And I love, um, my family will play like parlor games whenever we're all together. And it is really funny to see your great grandparents playing heads up. (laughs) I guess for my family also plays games, which I really like when we get together for the holidays. I also really enjoy eating seasonal food. The food that's around like fall is also like my cat's favorite food. So I like being <laughs> able to like have a separate type of things for her. So I'll have like 
turkey and like a few green beans and like some cranberries for her because she really enjoys them. And getting to spend time with my family in one place. Uh, my mom isn't, she doesn't live close enough where I get to see her frequently, but she's close enough where it's not a big to do for her to travel for the holidays. But it's nice because the holidays gives us a reason to be able to spend uh, consecutive days in a row with her, which I really appreciate. Well, I guess we all like to eat because I would say that my, I definitely enjoy the food. I love having like lots, I'm a big like appetizer person. So the idea of like going somewhere and getting to have like, like little tastings of a bunch of different foods, like I really like a lot and I like cooking too, but more than anything, just enjoying the food. Um, (laughs) I understand. I understand. I love good food. (laughs) And, uh, and then also just like the family games. My family is really into doing family games when we're together too. So I really enjoy that. And the rest, like I have a tendency to like go hard with work. I really do like that. It's this pause and everything, everything's closed. It kind of just makes you pause and spend time eating and playing games, which is, you don't get to do every day. So it's like a chance to just be a kid again. And I like it a lot. Yeah. Who all takes naps after eating? Ooh, I mean, if I can, I'm not a huge napper. <laughs> oh, I love naps. I don't need to have eaten anything for me to take a nap. <laughs> I will just go to sleep. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love that moment when you walk into a living room and everybody in the living room is asleep. Yes. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, it's the big meal nap. <laughs> Yes, group naps. Yeah, my dad always puts football on, and there's something about the combination of like eating Thanksgiving food, listening to football that's just this lulls me into like, <laughs> I go into a deep slumber every time. And now, almost every time football's on TV, I naturally fall asleep. Yeah, it's like <laughs> probably in response at this point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I also wanted us to reflect on what makes the holidays difficult. What do we dislike about this time? You can pause for self-reflection or you can just keep going for our responses. Uh, I think for me, one of the difficult things about the holiday is um, as much as I really love hosting um, in my home because I always end up hosting for the holidays, it's stressful to sort of coordinate things with people and make sure everybody feels comfortable and making sure I feel comfortable with like cleaning up and making sure that like my space is kind of the way that I want to present to people, which is another form of self-care that I'm trying to, I guess like self-compassion that I'm trying to lean into of not having to feel like I have to be presented in a certain way all the time when I invite people into my home. Yeah, that's a really good one. I think that that, the coordinating part is the part that gets most stressful for me. And then just the letting go of those expectations has been really helpful with like, you know, self-compassion, because I think that that those expectations on like, oh, especially like as a, for me as a mom too, like sometimes I can get wrapped up thinking like, oh, do they have enough of this? Or like, what's, are we making the holidays magical enough for them? Are we doing, you know what I mean? Like, are we making memories? Like, are we doing all those things? And I can get kind of stuck in, are we doing enough? Which <laughs> then that's no longer fun, right? Like the holiday is no longer about, which and I just said my favorite thing was to rest. And then, yeah. So... <laughs> That sounds like a lot of yeah, pressure. Yeah, so I love I love what you said, Kiara, for sure. I'm really trying to like let go of that and just be more, make it more about rest and fun and not worry so much. I have some relatives that I do not get along with during the holidays that if I am sat next to them or if, you know, when we hug each other high, if that conversation goes on too long, it turns into a fight like so quickly. And I also 
really dislike the consumerism part of the holidays. I historically have told all of my relatives that if they give me a gift to please like give me a hand-me-down um, or something used and that doesn't always happen. It'll still be like some random piece of plastic that I just have this guilt about that I need to work on. But then also like there's a lot of messaging on TV to like buy stuff and that feels really stressful and I see it like my relatives being like oh I, this is the time to buy stuff and it stresses me out to think like how much time they're spending in these environments that are just about shopping. And then the stuff itself will stress you out, right? Because I get a lot of that. People or family members will think like, well, I have to get them something tangible like for my kids. And and we're big on like experience gifts. Like my favorite types of gifts are like tickets to the museum or like we're going to go do this because then it's like not clutter in my house, you know? Oh, I love that. Right? And so not only is it the stress of like we need to buy each other these things, but also it's like now I have the stress of where am I going to put these socks? Like where am I going to put this cheap toy from Dollar General <laughs> or from wherever? You know, it's like, it's like yes. I don't, yeah. it's like this added stress I don't even need or want for sure. Yeah, I even think about that but sorry you definitely I feel that <laughs> I'm 100% stealing that idea and telling my family to get as a gift to get us tickets to go to the museum or to an art gallery it's the best I got a zoo membership one year it was my favorite gift I ever got for my kids so and I got a museum one year that's a great gift yeah I'm you've just changed my life oh my goodness <laughs> wow like amazing <laughs> I love the idea of gifting like what's going to become a memory yeah oh yeah that's so that feels really meaningful mm -hmm. i love intentional gifts like that yeah me too thinking about to be totally honest thinking about things that um are difficult for me about the holidays i'm i'm having a like reaction my heart mm -hmm. is like pounding just thinking about it i think we've struggled with some difficult family dynamics and i think there's pressure around that and there's some stress that comes with that with people maybe not respecting boundaries or having to worry about a certain family member saying something. And I think too, which we're going to be talking about boundaries in this episode, but some boundaries have been pushed and been crossed. Mm -hmm. And so leading up to the holidays, along with all of the things that I really, truly enjoyed, there is a lot of stress that comes along with thinking about how I'm going to navigate some of these difficult situations or difficult conversations. So as Megan said in the intro, we're going to be talking about like self-love and self-care during the holidays, which is so needed. In every episode, we do a self-compassion tip, and we just wanted to give two definitions for self-love and self-compassion since we'll be talking about them within the episode, and we just wanted to give a basis on what we're talking about when we say those words, with self-love being accepting yourself for who you are in this very moment for everything that you are. Uh, accepting your emotions for what they are and putting your physical, emotional, and mental well-being first. It means taking care of your own needs and not sacrificing your well-being to please others, which is easier said than done. <laughs> it is, definitely. Um, which is also maybe a little bit different sometimes from the definition that sometimes we hear about self-love. I feel like it expanded more on kind of like the larger conversations had about self-love and then self-compassion, um, when we talk about self-compassion, we're talking about loving yourself and accepting yourself in all forms. Uh, compassion for yourself uh, means that you're forgiving yourself for negative self-talk, for any judgments that you have for yourself for your body, any intense feelings of jealousy that you may have, um, being compassionate toward yourself for having bad days or bad weeks, and ultimately moving on because you know that those things don't define you. 
and how these things intersect self-compassion and self-love is that self-compassion can be a vehicle mm-hmm. for self-love. Um, it's learning the practice of self-compassion can teach you how to love yourself um, in a way where the action of practicing self-compassion can become the feeling of self-love. Because if you're not judging yourself or you're not being as hard on yourself, maybe it makes it a little bit easier for you to take care of your own needs and do things like set boundaries. For sure. Hearing you define those things, my my blood pressure's already gone down. <laughs> <laughs> That's because that. Kara has a, such a nice voice, too. <laughs> she does. That's also that's also Thank very you. true. <laughs> I feel that though. I, I follow. I find that to be really true. Like I think that because uh, self compassion was something that I had never heard of until I started really working here a few years ago, and I found that when I started speaking kinder to myself, it became easier to love myself. Right? Like it's like when you're always saying like negative things. It's like think about like someone who's always like maybe talking badly about someone who you've never met before. You might have a really bad impression of that person. Whereas as if they're saying really positive things about or kind things about that person, you have this really great idea of who this person was. I think the same goes for yourself. So for me, I, I definitely feel that like the, the practice of self-compassion helped me. Uh, well, it's a continual practice, but it helps me like lead towards self loving myself more for sure. It's the self. I thought the self love, I thought it was like, Oh, you just decide in your mind one day you're going to do it. But it really, doesn't work that way (laughs) yeah definitely um it allows us the space to grow and to change and to make mistakes so yeah we talk about self-love and why it matters we're focusing on what you're just talking about megan we can value ourselves in our own existence we can focus on taking care of ourselves especially in these moments that are feeling a little bit more stressful but too often we focus on how others perceive us and how we come off to others how we look Um, or what we're capable of doing, how we're succeeding, and what we're able to do for others. And oftentimes there's this need for like perfectionism or the need to do something or say the perfect thing, which is, that's not attainable, Mm -hmm. right? So having that, the space where we we offer that self-compassion to ourselves and can practice self-love, it gives us that foundation of, of respecting and valuing ourselves and being able to in turn, handle some of these more difficult situations as well. What does that look like for y'all in practice? Because I know it's easier said than done, but with self-love and self-care, um, what are ways that y'all show that to yourself or practice it? I kind of like make it in this like protecting myself, these two categories where it's like one is protecting myself from things that aggravate me. So a lot of times that is like having really strong boundaries with the internet and then other things that is like building me up. Uh, is like the second category and for me that looks like a lot of time every day making art or expressing myself creatively. I'm very very similar. Saying no which has not always been super easy for me. I feel like the more practice I've got with saying no um, it's gotten a little bit easier but one of the things that I'm trying to do is not commit to things that I know that I don't want to do. Sometimes you're going to do stuff you don't want to do and that's fine. But I found myself doing that more often and it wasn't helping me or the other person that was asking me to do something. So I'm getting a little bit better at being able to say no or at least negotiate around what my boundaries are. I can't do this now, but I can offer this instead if that's something that I want to do. Um, And then on the other side of that, very similar to what Claudia said, was I really enjoy creating things as a form of like self-care whether that's crocheting or finding other ways to in coloring um, I try to find like 
big creative things, but also sort of like mindfulness creative things where I don't have to really think about what I'm doing. I'm just sort of like making time for myself to do whatever it is that I want to do um, that I really enjoy. I love those examples. Yeah, kind of along with that, I have struggled with with saying no. I think it came from this place of also not necessarily trusting my own feelings or my experiences, I guess, in a sense that I typically would self-sacrifice in order to make other people feel better or more comfortable. But something that I've been able to to get better at, thankful for therapy, um, is trusting <laughs> trusting myself like no this doesn't feel comfortable for me this doesn't feel right for me and then validating how I'm feeling and then being able to set boundaries um, from there I think trusting trusting ourselves is really important and we're not always taught that as children Mm -hmm. to trust and respect ourselves and the idea that no is a complete sentence and that needs to be respected as well yeah that's been huge for me and then I genuinely enjoy being outside and like going for walks and there's a park down the street and being able to walk around that be next to water is like key for me. <laughs> I relate a lot to that as well. Um, I think like a big part of what has or what's been really helpful for me on like my self-love or self-compassion journey is the validating myself. I think I, I tend to get caught up in the need to feel perfect or to the need to like perform to this certain like caliber and so what ends up happening is you end up invalidating your own emotions because you're like oh this isn't how I should feel right like so for instance like and it could be something like this situation's like making me anxious and and I would say you know like I might think I shouldn't feel this way like this I should be I should be more confident I shouldn't feel this way but for me like a big part of my journey was being like and not even trying to like put a positive spin on it, just being like, I feel anxious and I, I hate that I feel anxious and I don't like this. And just like, just straight yeah. up. And it's like, it's, there's nothing like fuzzy or like fun about that, but it's like, it's being true to myself and just, uh, you know, learning how to like sit and how I feel. And that was, for me, it was a, is a big step in like loving myself. Right. And like, you know, start showing compassion for those feelings instead of thinking like, oh, I'm just, I shouldn't feel that way. So I'm just going to like shove them down and ignore them. Because, you know, I did that for a long time and it doesn't work. <laughs> so it, we come to find it, out. Come to find out. It's I'll, not the I'll, best I'll save practice. you all some time. <laughs> save you some time right now. Wouldn't it be great if to, it could work like that? No matter how much you don't like it. <laughs> but yeah, for me and like just hum- like making jokes about it, humor. Uh, like I love uh, I've also found that like physical activity is a really big uh, and it's weird because like I don't necessarily love physical activity but I love the way it makes me feel so I've, I've found that that's a big part of like making my body feel more regulated and it's a big part of helping me uh, with making my emotions feel more regulated um, so for me I, I definitely look at that as like a self-care thing as far as like I Absolutely. do this for my own good <laughs> you know <laughs> my mental health walk yes my my mental health walk every day <laughs> I was thinking about how like self-love and self-compassion might look differently for us during the holidays because it's like different dynamics going on that we normally aren't engaged in. Um, And I thought a part of that would be focusing on our, our attention more heavily on what we like about the holidays and ensuring that this time off is mostly about what we love about the holidays and prioritizing our interests and our pleasure instead of like 
our obligations and not making ourselves make the holidays a job and actually resting instead of, instead of giving ourselves a whole bunch of to-do list items like oh you know what I'm finally gonna clean out the garage and I'm also gonna mm-hmm. make all this food and I'm gonna take the kids to this like giving ourselves days where we have absolutely nothing planned so that we can maybe we enjoy cleaning out the garage and instead of it being a task item it's like oh let me mosey on over there after my coffee and haphazardly kind of clean until I get this momentum going and then oh my gosh I'm enjoying myself I got my reggaeton playing and someone brought me a snack and it's like (laughs) more about how our day just unfolds without the pressure of things to do. Yeah. Something that my mother and I decided years ago is that we always cater a part of the meal. Like we just decided like I'm not cooking every single thing. We don't have a huge family. So it's, it's, you know, it does fall a lot on us. So like, it's been wonderful. It's like one or two, three, four, however many things we decide to buy, we don't have to cook. And it's like more time to just rest, which is what it should be all about. So we just basically gave ourselves permission to be like, we don't have to do this. <laughs> and it's been wonderful. <laughs> I think I think this year I'm feeling, I mean, I am cooking some things, but like you said, I'm not cooking right. all of the things. The things I want to cook. nice. <laughs> and yeah, and there are a couple people staying at our house, which I adore these people are staying in our house. But I think in the past I did feel a lot of pressure to make sure everything was spick and span. And I don't know that I feel that now. I think this self-compassion thing is really working out. Good. And it, my house will be how it looks because <laughs> I live here and I know they love me and it'll be fine. Yes. Yeah. It feels like a moving away from what you should do and w- mm-hmm. moving towards what you're going to do. I love that. Yeah. You have to give yourself permission to not do all these things that in the past you feel like you've had to do or been obligated to do. All the things that you were saying, Claudia, we really have to give ourselves permission for our days to go that way. Uh, This is like a perfect segue for the unconditional radical Mm -hmm. self-acceptance because I feel like (laughs) women take on so much of the emotional, labor, and financial responsibilities of the holidays Mm -hmm. and they have just a stronger sense of we're making memories right now and caring about that and trying to make awesome memories. Um, and I, I really wanted to remind everybody that things don't have to go perfectly. Like you can burn the rolls or serve dinner late or get somebody the wrong gift. Um, the house can be messy and you can host imperfectly or have not a perfect time. It's okay to say the wrong thing and it's okay if you set your boundaries imperfectly or get emotional when you didn't want to, like just go easy on yourself, give yourself a break and have fun even if these things happened. I hope people feel freedom listening to you say mm-hmm. that because I it made me feel free freer <laughs> listening to For you sure. saying all those things. I just remember like having a birthday party and then me getting upset and being like, I need to go journal in my room right now. And, like, cry for, like, ten minutes. And one of my friends being like, you can do that. And then I did. And, like, instead of me holding it in and feeling upset for, like, two plus hours at my birthday party, I just, like, did it, put it on the paper, and I left it there. And I went and continued to party. That's great. Yeah. Good friends. I love that. I know. (laughs) Some friends would be like, no, don't do that. I'm I'm just going to get you. We'll have another dessert. We'll have another drink. We'll have whatever. They're like, ignore how you're feeling. Ignore your needs. That's like a real understanding friend for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I want to like pause on the word radical because you said this is unconditional radical self-acceptance. And it's like, why is this so radical? You know, like it's the idea to love ourselves is and it's because it's it's we are in we're 
constantly being told messages to not love ourselves. Let's be real, right? Like we're being sold all these different products that tell us, you know, we're the wrong size or we look the wrong way or or this is what a perfect Thanksgiving looks like. Yes, or this is what your this is what your holiday season yeah. needs to look like. This is what your gifts need to look like and all these things and yeah, we're being fed to be the opposite of accepting ourselves. And it's, you know, when we think about like media literacy, it's because they're trying to sell us something. So it is radical, right? It's a, it's like a revolution of self-love and to think that we're not going to accept these ideas. We're not going to let people profit off of us for hating ourselves anymore. And that we're going to, you know, rebel. Rebel. Yeah. Like this is like, <laughs> like there's social change in self-acceptance and self-love, right? Like there's like huge uh, changes we could make in society if we, start leaning into that versus like judging ourselves, judging each other. Cause a lot of those things that uh, consumerism is driven on is the idea that we're not satisfied with, with life and that we're, and that we'll never be satisfied for life. And we know that when we look at like self-compassion and self-acceptance, that's the opportunity to like look at your life and feel grateful and look at your life and feel full, which is, you know, capitalism doesn't want you to do that. But <laughs> um, you know, when we get, sucked up into that stuff it can be really harmful and that's why we wanted to make this episode because it's going to be a lot you know more sustainable yes <laughs> a lot more sustainable yeah you're going to be happier everything's going to go smoothly stuff is just going to like roll off your back it's not going to stick to you and it's going to be able to, like you're going to be able to make traditions that are financially and emotionally sustainable yeah and it's inevitable that something is not going to go the way you planned, right? And so for you to say things are going to go smoothly, it's going to go smoothly because I'm loving myself and doing what mm. is best for me. That's right. It's going to go smoothly because this holiday season, I'm prioritizing rest and, and family time and, and eating good food. And, 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 and if, as long as I get to eat something and rest, that's, that's to me a good, it doesn't matter if the house is messy because those are the things that are going to make my holiday good. Like just change the whole, heck yes, the whole expectation. <laughs> Absolutely. It's going to go smoothly because we're prioritizing flexibility and yes. compassion instead of perfection. And if you're a person who likes to have reminders about these things, because I'm the kind of person where I'm like, this is really cool and fun, except I need like a daily <laughs> reminder for this so it can like stamp itself yeah. in my brain. Remind me in the middle of it. Yes. Yeah. I need <laughs> yeah. like a Siri or Alexa or whatever thing to be like, remind me in the future of this. This is like an analog version of that by writing it down. Um we found some affirmations that we felt were relevant for the holidays that were related to unconditional self-acceptance. Uh, I pulled these from the SMART Recovery website. SMART is a secular addiction recovery program based on therapy and addiction science. You can write these on a, a sticky note and put them on your mirror. I'm the type of person that like edits a photo that's going to be my phone wallpaper to have like mm. affirmations on it. And then mm. that way, when I like am getting fidgety or anxious and I want to look at my phone, I have these affirmations and I'm like, ooh, let me say this to myself. And then I can re-engage. Mm. I discovered I that dry that. erase markers are out perfect for mirrors. So they I are. write them on my <gasps> mirror and I write them on my kid's mirror. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because you can just wipe it right off. You just upgraded my sticky Yay. note game. Thank you. <laughs> First one is... I am not a bad person when I act badly. I am a person who has acted badly. So this is super important. And I feel very strongly about this. 
But being able to separate your identity as a person from a behavior. Those are two completely separate things. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's not to go on too long about this, but I feel like it's common for people to make a mistake or do something and then internalize that and feel like mm-hmm. I'm a bad person or the opposite of that. Yeah. Like, no, I'm I'm not I'm not bad. I'm not bad. So it, those are completely separate things. We can make a mistake. We can do something that's unintentional and be able to acknowledge it and be able to acknowledge that doesn't make me bad. And I like to mention the other side of that coin is this affirmation. I am not a good person when I act well and accomplish things. I'm a person who has acted well and accomplished things. I found that when I gave myself lots of praise for doing a lot of things in a day or being really productive, that it fed into that I'm a bad person when I do something bad narrative. Mm. Like, mm. There, there are two sides of the same coin, two heads on the same beast. Mm. That's such a good point. Definitely. Another one is I can be myself without trying to prove myself, uh, which really resonated with me because I feel like there was a time in my life where I felt like I had to be something to be worthy of other people to like me um, or that who I was wasn't good enough and that it feels radical to just be yourself and that's okay too. Like I'm a, I'm allowed to be at dinner. I didn't bring anything. Yes. I'm still allowed to be here. Yeah. I don't have to clean my house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the gift. Yes. <laughs> I don't have to bring a gift. I'll just be Yeah, that's true. If you're hosting, I didn't even think about that. Like I supplied the home that we're in the, the home, home. Yes. <laughs> on the on a similar uh vein uh here's another one accepting myself as being human is better than trying to prove myself as superhuman or rating myself as subhuman just so much acknowledgement and just like realize like you're recognizing your common humanity and that you're not above or below any other person like you are just a person which means you have all the wonderful faults and good things that go along with that love that another one is i can acknowledge my weaknesses disadvantages and failures without judging or defining myself by them i like to use the word and a lot like both like multiple things can be true at once like i can acknowledge that this is a situation that maybe i didn't succeed in that i or the this didn't go the way i thought it would and we're still okay so instead of saying the word but I like to often Mm. use the word and that multiple things can be true. Mm -hmm. Yes. And our last one, seeking self-esteem or self-worth leads to self-judgments and eventually to self-blame. Self-acceptance avoids these self-ratings. So you just mentioned self-judgment. And I just want to say something to that, too, that we talk about self-compassion and then in turn, when we give ourselves that acceptance and that love, we can turn it outwardly. And that goes with judgment as well. So typically when we are harsh critics of ourselves, we tend to give that to other people, unfortunately, as well. So the way that we treat ourselves, it is not uncommon that we project that. And so we'll be talking about boundaries here in a little bit, but there's pressure around like being worried that someone else is going to judge you. And I just want to say that it's really important to remember that like when somebody does that, it's more of a reflection on what they've got going on internally than it does doesn't have much to do with you typically. So having that self-care, that self-love, that self-compassion makes it easier to offer that to other people versus judgment. I definitely 
feel like I resonated with that because something that I've heard sometimes people say that to practice self-compassion can maybe foster more compassion for other people. And something that I tell myself a lot is like, I'm having a human like I'm just having a human experience and that has helped me to be able to translate that to other people. It doesn't make an excuse for their behavior. It doesn't mean that I have to dismiss it, but I can also be like, they're just having a human experience just as much as I could have a human experience. It helps with compassion for others as much as yourself, for sure. I want to touch a little bit on the phrase like toxic positivity or like self-care for cynics. Because I know for myself, I've definitely been someone who in the past would have rolled my eyes at some of these affirmations and not now I'm like all about it I feel the benefit but I want to there's a lot of like toxic positive messages that happen on social media that I think that if you're already kind of like a cynical person it's just going to make you roll your eyes and it's just going to like you're not really going to be like oh yes I suddenly it's clicking and I get it in it and I think that it's not always like sugary gumdrops like I think that like it's okay to like recognize that like a lot of self-care and self-love is, is just straight up like saying no to people and just be like, nah, that's not for me. Like, you don't have to be like, <laughs> oh, I don't feel blah, blah. You don't have to like get all, you know what I mean? Like if you can, but you don't have to. Like you, it's okay just to be like, I'm not feeling that. And that's also a perfectly acceptable valid form of self-love and self-compassion too. And sometimes not giving an explanation to people is a form of, of like self-love and self-care. Like sometimes people don't need to know. Like sometimes not everyone's invited to know your feelings, right? Like not everyone is worthy of knowing your feelings. So that's okay too. Um, so I just kind of want to like touch on that, like that there can also be like these messages of like self-compassion comes from serving other people or like I'll sometimes see like, you know, feeling bad, like serve someone else, which is, of course, right? Like, of course, helping other people feels good. And like we wouldn't, I think, you know, we do this work because there's a level of enjoyment that we have to helping other people and serving other people. But I don't think that it, it kind of just reinstates the idea that like your productivity is based in your worry, your worthiness or like your service to others is based in your worthiness. And I think it's okay to like not combine those two, two things together. Like you're worthy because you are, you're here and you're you. So doing things for others is great and that may make you feel good, but that's not what makes you worthy. And I think that like recognizing those messages as being kind of like not what we're talking about and being, I, I hate to say it, like a little bit toxic uh, at times because they do, they can, well-meaning messages do sometimes, as we've said here before, do sometimes reinstate negative ideas about ourselves. I think it's a, it's a good idea to be aware of that and to be aware that self-care and self-love doesn't have to be, if you're not a touchy-feely person, it's okay. It's self-care and self-love are, can still be a part or sh and should still be a part of your daily uh, life. I want to speak to the toxic positivity thing too, because I think there's also this idea that like being positive and trying to put a positive spin on things or being the positive person in the room is a form of that and it can be really dismissive um of how we are feeling or how someone else is feeling too so mm -hmm. it is totally self-love and self-care to acknowledge i'm not feeling okay yeah or this is not okay for me or this isn't going to work versus trying to have just a very positive spin. And I think that there's maybe some pressure, some shame around not being fine. Yeah, no, there is. Especially during the holidays. Yeah, show up to something and if you don't have the happy face and the all the positive things to say, then you're creating a problem. And mm -hmm. that's just not the case. It is okay to not be okay sometimes too showing ourselves that self-love and self-compassion by being able to acknowledge that is very healthy for sure 
Well, on that note, I think we're going to take a break for our self-compassion tip, and we will be back in a few moments. Our self-compassion tip is how changing the way you talk to yourself can be the first step to practicing self-love. Take a minute and think about what you've said to yourself today. Was it critical and harsh? Was it kind and helpful? How did you feel after you engaged in this inner discussion? Your thoughts are the source of your emotions and mood. The conversations you have with yourself can be harmful or beneficial. They influence how you feel about yourself and how you respond to the events in your life. Becoming more aware of our self-talk is the first step to improving it. When negative thoughts about yourself start coming to mind, try to practice self-compassion and remind yourself we are all human having human experiences. Instead of saying to yourself, my body doesn't look as good as it used to, try instead saying, I appreciate everything my body does for me and everything we've been through together. Instead of saying to yourself, I really messed up, try instead saying, I did my best and now I know better for next time. The more we replace the negative inner critic with the more positive and compassionate self-talk, the easier it becomes over time. Positive self-talk is a powerful tool for increasing your self-confidence, curbing negative emotions, and improving your sense of self-worth. Try practicing this form of self-love today. You're worth it. Okay, and we're back. So now we're actually going to be talking about boundaries, which is one of my favorite topics to discuss. But we're going to be talking about boundaries as a form of self-love. Holidays can be a really stressful time and even a traumatic time for many people, especially if we have family members who push our boundaries or mistreat us. Many of us have a family member who makes a comment about your body, criticizes your career choices, maybe makes a degrading joke at your expense or is rude to your partner. Many of us have seen advice out there about setting boundaries, but how can we actually set boundaries to change dynamics that are decades old? How do we avoid the guilt that comes from limiting people that we love? And what are we supposed to do if they don't respect our boundaries? So we're going to discuss um, steps and how to set those boundaries with family members. Um, and hopefully this will not only reduce the stress of holidays, but even improve them as well as your overall well-being and happiness. Treating yourself with love and kindness and respecting your own limitations are all so important when it comes to boundary setting. Um, and I also want to mention this book that I've been reading. It's by Terry Cole, and it's called Boundary Boss. And we'll put it in the show notes, but highly, highly recommend. And it goes way deeper than we'll be able to talk about in this episode as to how to set boundaries. I really appreciated, like, dynamics mentioning that the dynamics are decades old because mm -hmm. they it's like just the build-up like somebody I love will do something that crosses a boundary but it's like not a serious instance right and maybe I've only recently set that boundary because it was difficult for me to overcome all this trauma inside this relationship to set that boundary and so it's like a non-serious incident but there's this years mm -hmm. of just all these pain points leading up to make that one instance feel so intense and so painful. Yeah, that's a good point. That's real. <laughs> Boundaries aren't limited to, I don't want a hug or I don't want to sit next to somebody or talk about this subject. It can also include time, financial and material boundaries. 
So with family, we're allowed to have bigger boundaries, including not hosting people for meals or not hosting people overnight, not carpooling, not paying more than you want to or can afford to for food and gifts. It goes beyond how you're treated verbally and physically and into how you're treated financially, materially, and with your time. Which are all really good reminders. And I think I've said this before in this episode and any other episode where I talk about boundaries, that it's easier said than done. Sometimes like if setting boundaries feels new for you or you consistently set boundaries with people and they're not respected or they're pushed, um, it can be hard to feel like your boundaries are valid or what you want is valid. And we have some boundary setting reminders um, that we pulled from one of our social media posts that I th- we feel are pretty good to, uh, to have around the holidays because sometimes um, you may not feel like your boundaries are valid and they are valid. Um, so here are some reminders uh, like it's okay to make decisions that feel best for you. Um, whatever you need for yourself, it's okay to be able to do that. But it's also okay to set limits or say no and to do that without feeling guilty about it or to keep your distance if the relationship causes you stress. Um, If the boundary may look like, I don't, I can't spend time with you, or I don't want to spend time with you, or I can spend limited amounts of time with you in this certain context, that's completely okay too. Um, Or if the relationship is unhealthy or abusive in some way, it's okay to cut ties with those relationships. You don't have to maintain relationships that don't feel good for you. Even if somebody's trying to maintain that relationship with you, it's okay to feel a range of different emotions. Like it's okay to feel sad or angry or anxious or even overwhelmed. And here's another reminder that just because somebody doesn't like your boundary, it doesn't make it wrong, Um, which is something that when we were planning for this episode is something that Megan said that really stuck out for us that we wanted to be able to highlight is that... um, Sometimes people can legitimately make you feel like your boundary is wrong um, just because they don't like it. And that's not true. Yeah, that can be really hard to get the thing you said, too, about family dynamics, like really sticking out to me that sometimes in families, it can almost it's almost this uh, level of like you have to endure a certain amount to prove your devotion to the family or like the idea of like withstanding a certain amount of discomfort is part of like you proving your love or devotion to that family. And I, and, I, and I think it can even happen in like forms of abuse. Like your your endurance of like the abuse that your family gives you is like you also like proving your loyalty. But just in this circumstance too, I've, you know, seen it with like friends feeling the obligation of like spending a ton of money on gifts because that's what's expected or like doing things I really don't want to do because that's what's expected. And I think that there can be these ties in family that where it's almost like this expectation to do something you don't want to do is tied with your loyalty to the family. And I think that means too be examined and be undone <laughs> for the betterment of us all and our mental health. <laughs> but I don't really have the answers other than just kind of realizing in this moment how they're all that how that can be a part of what makes these boundary settings so hard. And I guess that's, you know, that's where that self-care and self-compassion really come in because that's something you're really going to need to hold on to, especially if you're in a family dynamic where you're having to prove that loyalty through your discomfort. You saying that made me think of another point of maybe you have family or even friends or whoever you're spending your holiday time with, um, people who make you feel like, well, we don't spend that much time together, so why are you making a big deal out of this? Can't Mm -hmm. you just let this go for a day or two? Um, As if your boundaries are less valid because you don't consistently spend time with each other. Yeah, it's really frustrating to think that 
there's just so many times where people treat you like you're not valid, but you are. Totally. I think in my family, there's a lot of, like, it come that kind of, like, what Megan was talking about comes from the generations above us. Um, and I think it's because they like everybody in the family because they saw them grow up. It's their siblings, it's their cousins, it's their grandchildren. And so they like them more because they saw them as babies. They have more fondness towards them. Whereas we don't have a bunch of little ones below us that we're like just wild about. Mm -hmm. So for us, it's like more a peer situation that we don't get along with as opposed to like our below kin that we we adore. Because I can definitely, I can understand being an adult with adult children and wanting to spend time with your children that you love all of them so much but then they don't get along with each other that probably is really difficult yeah for them to hold and it probably just like them communicating that desire comes out in a more obligatory way than they really are wanting it to seem or maybe is appropriate yeah or maybe they have a different relationship with a person that you're setting the boundary with so for them they're like it's okay, they don't mean it, or it's not as hurtful to them, or they may not even understand where you're coming from, which I've seen happen in my family dynamics of um, just trying to reiterate for people that it's okay that you have a different relationship with this person, but it doesn't make it any less real that I want to set a boundary with them or that I need to have some space away from them, um, whatever it may be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you love them less. And, like, we shouldn't, like, equate those two things. I know we've posted on social media, like, the other day, our, our boundary is, like, the way that I can love your, myself and you at the same time. So it's, like, we shouldn't take those boundaries so personal. Like, it's not about, like, the way I feel about you. It's about I can appreciate you and love you for who you are while also maintaining my, my truest self at the same time and not feel resentful. Because what happens when people violate our boundaries and we just say, okay, it's fine, I mean, resentment is going to build and it's just going to create the foundations of a really unhealthy dynamic no matter what because we're not being true to like what's in the side of ourselves. Or even if the, we don't feel the resentment starting to build, it still is creating an unsustainable relationship yeah. dynamic. I fully believe setting boundaries is an invitation for the relationship to continue yes. in a sustainable and genuinely mutual and loving way. Absolutely. I feel like oftentimes we're going to be talking about this a little bit more in depth as we go on, but I feel like oftentimes people will be on the receiving end of a boundary and it is common to feel hurt, but mm -hmm. I just want to encourage people when you hear someone state a boundary to keep in mind that they're saying this boundary to you because they care and they want to maintain a relationship. Otherwise, people would just cut off the relationship and right. not have this hard conversation. Setting boundaries is really difficult. It's really hard to have this really uncomfortable conversation with people sometimes. It's a lot more of an emotional investment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. In setting boundaries, so take some time to think about what this boundary means to you. Do you want to feel valued? Do you want to feel respected, safe, loved? Um, remember that you deserve to feel this way. You deserve to be surrounded by people who make you feel that way. And like we said, like Claudia already said, um, keep in mind, these boundaries are not being put in place to exclude people from your life, but to ensure that they can remain a part of it in a healthy way. Similar to what Megan said as well just a second ago. So here we want to share an example of how to practice, um, how to state your boundary. So um, we start with an I feel. So I feel state the emotion um, when you and then state that action from now on state your boundary 
If you can't respect that boundary, then state the consequence. And it's really important to have that consequence when you're stating a boundary because a boundary without a consequence is just a request. And then once you have that boundary stated, you have that consequence stated with that person. If they choose to push that boundary or violate that boundary in the future, you've already communicated what the consequence is. So if they choose to push the boundary, they're choosing the consequence. That's important to remember as well, because I feel like Megan already said in these situations, oftentimes people get upset with you creating tension or creating problems by stating a boundary. So that's not the case. We've already communicated what we need. And then the I feel part of the statement when we're expressing, communicating with somebody and um, entering conflict, starting off with I feel is really important um, versus going at somebody and pointing a finger and saying, you did this, you did that. I can put somebody on the defensive. I wanted to say something first about requests can sometimes be what is needed. Like sometimes the boundaries and sometimes you can ask somebody and you can request it without the consequence being there. And if that relationship is healthy, then it'll be respected. Sure. Sometimes you need to include the consequence. And I also want to say about consequences to make sure that it's something that you genuinely feel comfortable doing even if it's like slightly out of your comfort zone that you have the support system around it to enforce that boundary to enforce that consequence otherwise it's gonna feel worse inside of yourself and you're gonna feel like it's your fault that this boundary is being crossed um, because you weren't able to implement the consequence when it's not your fault that person crossed your boundary even though they knew the consequence and all you have to do is like love yourself and love love this boundary part to enforce that consequence and make sure you have you know family or friends or therapists mm -hmm. that are supporting that boundary and consequence so that you have the ability to check in with people um whenever you're feeling this mix of emotions that come up with enforcing consequences for boundaries that's so great i was thinking the same thing consequences are really hard to that's like a really hard piece of the boundary is like having those consequences afterwards because of how out of character they can feel, especially if you're not used to um, enforcing boundaries and consequences to people, especially if it's something you maybe didn't grow up experiencing because maybe boundaries being crossed was a normal part of your fa family dynamic, as I mentioned earlier. Um, so yeah, it, it, I was thinking the same thing, Claudia. I'm so glad you said that because you really have to like, there's a lot of self-love that goes in with being able to hold on to that consequence because it can be really hard if it's especially if it's a dynamic Absolutely. that you're not used to doing like so some more examples of how to set a boundary so um i feel hurt when you make comments about my appearance and how much food i'm eating from now on please do not make those comments if you can't respect that then i won't be joining you for family dinners how does that feel for y'all feels complicated because mm -hmm. I love family dinners, but I know that I could come after dinner and hang out. <laughs> and it can be, the consequence can be whatever you want. And I think it's where you have to kind of remind yourself why you're setting that boundary in the first place. Like this is it's something that's being said that's really hurtful and not good. It's not a good, it doesn't sound like a good environment if that's what you're going into. So that's why I think where that self-love piece really comes in is like, ha and having the support system, like Claudia mentioned is, to remind you of, yes, like I may be missing family dinners, but the family dinner comes with a price tag of my emotional and mental health. And I've chosen that I'm not going to pay that price anymore. And then maybe like that consequence will make people change and maybe it won't like, but that's, you're having to choose yourself. Especially when you've said the boundary. Cause if you just are like, the consequence of all this happening is that I'm gonna stop coming to family dinners, but nobody knows 
why mm. you've stopped coming to family dinners. Telling them why you're not going to come to family dinners anymore puts the onus on them of what the problem is that needs to be solved. Another example is I don't feel comfortable when they touch me when I'm around them. If they don't stop touching me when we're together, then I will no longer visit them. That just makes me feel the ick. <laughs> that feels yeah, real heavy. Yeah, it felt heavy as you said it. I was like, ooh. I feel like that's really common for teenagers and preteens to experience because adults just are like, oh, this precious child, and then they just touch children. They want to hug the children. But kids are like, I don't know all these adults. Like, I don't know y'all that intimately because I see you three times a year for four hours. Yeah, which I think is another good reminder, especially for adults, that sometimes adults seem to forget or they just don't care about the fact that, like, young people and children have boundaries, too, and they have boundaries to be respected. That so many times we can dismiss their feelings of, like, oh, it's not that big a deal. You don't know what you're talking about. You'll get over it. And remember that children and young people... Young adults have feelings and boundaries too, and they should be respected. And something I did think about with the sentence is like, when you're pregnant, people have a, this is, I think, a, a moment in life where people will touch you non-consensually. Just a good reminder to always ask somebody before you touch them at any stage of life. Because that's, and I don't know, maybe this is a situation where hopefully you could just request it. Like, hey, I don't want to be touched. And you wouldn't have to, you know, say you're not going to visit and it would be respected. But, you know, like, I like that might not be the case. So you might have to have a consequence there. Great. I've never been pregnant, but I have um, people want to touch my hair all the time. And it, it feels like it's happening in slow motion sometimes where it's like people are reaching out and I'm trying to like intercept them, like get your hand away from me. And my brain is like trying to like figure out how to set that boundary in that moment, especially with people I don't know, which is kind of like aside from what we're talking about right now. But it's like, no, how do I do this? Or like, which might be the case in your family dynamic where somebody brings a partner or a friend or somebody that you don't know very well into your in the space that you're hosting for the holiday and you're trying to set a boundary with them while also not trying to at least for me sometimes my priority is like I don't want to upset the dynamic that's happening here but I want this person to know to stop doing this or to not do it at all um it can be awkward sometimes for sure I'm an empath and I also care a lot about like not disturbing the dynamic and so whenever I set my boundary no matter how intense and stern I am Like, I'll have a stern tone, but I'll also be super upbeat (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) And it's very confusing for people, but then they're like, I feel like I have to accept this because you're being so cheery, so if I was to say no, then I'm in the wrong now. I I have found it effective for me, but that's because I'm generally, like, a hostile person. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, that sounds like an approach to use it to your advantage of... Um, I'm really happy you're here. Please don't touch me. Can I interest you in doing X, Y, Z? Can I get you a drink or whatever? Yeah. And they're probably like, wait, what's going on? I like that. Yes. I feel like that's really I helpful. love that immediate diversion too of like, oh my God, glad to see you. Let me go get you a drink instead of like coming in for the hug. Right. That's true. Creating space can also set boundaries. Definitely. It's like immediately introducing, this is a level of intimacy that I would be comfortable with instead Right. Absolutely. I feel like Mm -hmm. these examples that we're stating are not last resort, but like you're needing to implement a consequence because your requests have not been respected. Mm -hmm. It's happened so many times that you're like getting to a point that, oh, I'm actually feeling really uncomfortable around this family member. I'm actually 
feeling violated in some way or feel like I'm not being respected, loved, valued, whatever it is, so that now I need to actually implement this. That makes sense. One last example that we have um, is saying something like, I feel like my space is violated when you show up to my house unannounced. If you come by my house unannounced again, I will not answer the door. This really hits home for me. Me, I don't me like neither. I hate it. Unannounced. <laughs> I like hit the deck. Sometimes people, my friends treat me <laughs> like I'm being um, super rude. If they do it and they don't know, we've not had that conversation before. I might call them. You might text them. If I feel like I'm in a place to open the door, I'll answer the door. I'm like, are you okay? Because I guess for me, in my family dynamic, people don't show up to your house unless something is wrong. So my brain immediately goes to there's something wrong. Are you okay? Um, and then if it happens again, usually it's like I will tell them afterwards, like, oh, you're just here stopping by to say hi. That's really nice that you thought to stop by to say hi to me. Uh, it makes me really uncomfortable when you do that. So in the future, can you not do that? Because if you do, I'm not going to answer the door or it's very likely I'm going to act like I'm yeah. not here. And I just want you to know that that's the dynamic you're you walking just text into. Me. Happens again. Just shoot me a text. Yeah. And usually that's received yeah. pretty well. That's good. I My introverted self, when I hear somebody knock on the door, I like want to hit the deck. Like my yes. house is like my safe space, you know, and it's my time to recharge. And if I'm going to be around people, I need time to prepare, to mentally prepare for interactions. But now that I have dogs, it doesn't matter. Everyone knows I'm home. My dogs bark. <laughs> I can't hide. I love people stopping by unannounced. <laughs> but I, like, that's just, it goes to show, like, treat people how they want to be treated is not a great rule. A better rule of thumb is to treat people how they want to be treated. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah. So in talking about these, the key is choosing a consequence that you feel is reasonable and that you can maintain. And that is different for everybody, like we've been discussing. So I want to say this. If you tell someone that they hurt you, they don't get to say, no, I didn't. I feel like that's really important. Um, that's a boundary of mine <laughs> as well. Mm-hmm. So and being on the receiving end of that, if someone says, hey, this statement that you made or this action that you took was hurtful, let's start practicing not saying no, it wasn't. Yeah, I can definitely understand you being you wanting to say, oh, I didn't mean to hurt you. That's an acceptable sure. mm-hmm. sentence. But I didn't hurt you or like that wasn't hurtful. You're being too sensitive. Dramatic. All wrong. Agreed. Just take a second, rephrase, (laughs) and then say it again. (laughs) Try again. In kind of line with my being really upbeat when I'm setting a firm boundary is to try to avoid getting pulled into an argument. I use the upbeat attitude because I'm so hostile. I will get into an argument. (laughs) If I'm like smiling and got like my eyebrows all raised, got this big happy face on... In, like, that helps my body not want to get in an argument. I'm just like, okay, well, I told you how I feel, and you can have your feelings, too. Since you're upset, I'm going to go in the other room. Um, you don't need to justify or explain your feelings of a boundary once you've stated it. If the conversation feels, like, inviting and warm and, like, a safe space to do that, you're welcome to. But you don't have to feel obliged, especially if it's feels hostile. Also, like, if you're being respectful in how you're stating your boundaries to somebody, like, at the end of the day, you're not responsible for how someone else receives like, reacts it. to that boundary. Yeah. Or you're Absolutely. not responsible for how they feel about it. Like, even yeah. if they're mad at you, like, that's, like, you can be respectful and that's, like, your part of it. But, like, don't try to take ownership over, like, someone else's feelings and start, like, worrying about, like, oh, now I have to, like, navigate their feelings for them. Like, they need to deal with their feelings on their own like they can they need to learn how to respond to how they feel about your boundary on their own and that's part of your own 
that's the boundary for them. Like, yeah. <laughs> not to like overexert yourself into trying to solve their reaction to your boundary. That's not your place yeah. either. Focus mm-hmm. on your side of the street, what you can control. Yeah. <laughs> Take care of your own yard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. But it's easier said than done, right? I find myself being that person where I set a boundary with somebody, depending on the relationship I have with them. If I set a boundary with them and they start crying, sometimes then I'm like, I want to move towards wanting to comfort them. Because I'm like, I'm not here to make you upset. But it's trying to do the work, kind of like in previous episodes where we talked about self-compassion. Even earlier, we talked about self-compassion being a practice. I feel the same way about like setting boundaries being a practice. Totally. Getting into this not a routine but like getting more experience with doing it yeah. I guess as I mentioned before it hasn't always been easy for me to say no now it's sometimes it's easier for me to say no and now the thing that I'm working on with boundaries is if somebody has a big emotional reaction to it trying to maintain my boundary and not jump Same. into over trying to comfort them so I can I don't know make sure that I know that they're okay with my boundary of letting them know, like, I'm not doing this to be hurtful. If I care for you in this moment, then you know that I'm setting this boundary because I care, which is my own work that I need to do. It's like a full nervous system retraining. Like, I'm seeing yeah. someone crying. I'm seeing someone get upset. Instead of doing what my body says to do, I'm like, no, I, I have to hold the mirror up to what I'm feeling and mm-hmm. take care of that person in the mirror. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have had to practice that a lot too. My personality is naturally wanting to like take care of and help people. And I am, I am pretty empathetic. And so I think in the past I've had to really, I've really struggled and I've had to work really hard on, like you were saying, Kiara, having to just focus on myself in these moments and remind myself of that because it it can be so easy to slip into no longer talking about the initial thing that I stated. So, right, like I state, hey, I'm hurt by this thing. And then I see that that person is now hurting after I stated how I feel. And so then we end up focusing on them and their feelings and what I initially talked about never gets addressed. And so I've had to work really hard on not stepping into that space. It's really hard initially, but it gets easier over time. <laughs> yeah, it's a practice, right? Like it it's just like, just like self-compassion is a practice. We got to practice setting boundaries. Never ending. Never ending. It's a <laughs> journey. Just receiving boundaries. Yes, oh, yeah. yes. Yes. That's a good point. So yeah, on that note, let's talk about how we accept other people's boundaries. It's a big part of healthy relationships. I mean, sometimes, you know, we're on the receiving end of that and it doesn't necessarily feel good, especially if it's, you know, something you don't like. Like, how do you respond when someone expresses a boundary that you don't like? Is it, do any of y'all have any experiences with this <laughs> that you want to share? <laughs> I'm sure all of us have experiences right. with it because people set boundaries and sometimes it's really hard to hear. Mm-hmm. I've had, I mean, I will say that I've had, I had a friend one time um, express a boundary. It was like, to, it was to me and another friend. It was like the three of us. And I, I didn't realize it was a dynamic that she saw happening, but she was basically like, I feel like this dynamic's happening where I'm getting, I'm becoming like the friend y'all tease. I feel like y'all are like turning me into like a joke. I'm a goofball. And I was shocked because i consider myself to be pretty goofy so I was just didn't I I didn't see it and then she said it and I was just like oh my god and for me it was just like okay like I'm never gonna act that way again towards you for me it was like the request was enough like because I care so much about the friendship and it was like oh 
it's not that I didn't like it. I just was unaware of it. And then once I, you know, got the awareness, it was like, oh, crap. Okay. I didn't even see that was happening. And now I see it. And we've talked about it since then. And she was like, even mentioned how I reacted differently to that boundary than the other person and how she appreciate <laughs> appreciated that. I had never thought about it again. She actually had, was the one that like brought it up to me later. It was like that she appreciated that I had actually like changed the behavior <laughs> compared to the other person. And I was like, oh, it was just like you said, I don't like this thing. And I never did it again. And I never thought twice about it. But so sometimes it can be a matter of like the person just not even being aware, like just like absolutely ignorance, you know? Yeah. I wanted to say thank you for that perspective. I feel like it goes back to what we were saying earlier in this episode about separating identity from behavior. I feel like a lot of people on the receiving end of that may think like, oh, I don't want to be a bad friend. I'm such a bad friend. I didn't mean to say this. And they can get wrapped up in that and or make excuses or try to make justifications for, oh, I, I thought you want to be the goofball or whatever. And that can cause us to not change our behavior, but and how you handled it and like, oh, OK, this hurt my friend. I don't want to hurt my friend. I'm not going to do this action anymore. And it's as simple as that. Um, but when we get caught up like in not wanting to be a bad person or trying to validate or figure this out or get really caught up in like our own feelings, we may miss mm -hmm. what they said completely. I feel like lots of times when we receive boundaries, we think it's about us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, when I was when I was a child, I had a, a family member um, become incarcerated for a long period of time and they did not want us to visit them while they were incarcerated and it took a lot for me to like not internalize that boundary as like they don't want to see me but mm. realize that it was like they felt like their own feelings about being incarcerated and didn't want us to see them in that environment and so in order to respect that boundary and still show the love that I felt for this family member too like I had to change how I show love to them for that period of time and writing letters and printing pictures to send to them all the time. But holding boundaries pulls up a lot of feelings of rejection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, We have some tips for holding boundaries and rejection uh, that we'd like to share. Remembering that both sides feel vulnerable during the boundary setting process. It's not just you receiving the boundary. They are also experiencing a lot of emotions about setting the boundary it doesn't mean anything negative about the person accepting the boundary about yourself it's about what they need and so there's no reason to feel shame and guilt about yourself because you didn't know up until this point what that boundary was being really flexible and compassionate with yourself showing yourself a lot of love and care when receiving a boundary and after so that it's easier to not be hard on yourself Oh, I love this one. Asking for clarification so you have a clear idea of what that boundary is. And you're welcome to wait to ask for clarification later once you've like accepted it. Or you're welcome to ask it then just as long as your nervous system is kind of like in a chill, good to talk zone. <laughs> good point. <laughs> good point. Yeah. Make sure you're regulated before you start asking for clarification. <laughs> like if you're crying... Maybe that's Maybe not the time. Maybe if you mm -hmm. feel yourself getting angry, mm -hmm. right. it's not the right and time. And something that I wanted to, I guess, highlight that out of things that you were saying that I think really resonated with me about 
taking time to feel your emotions in a separate space or later to show yourself care that it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you if you have an emotional response to somebody's boundary. Definitely. That it's okay to have feelings about it. There just may not be, it may not be appropriate for you to express those feelings in the moment when the person is setting the boundary with you. So it doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you just for having feelings about somebody's boundary. It's just a matter of when you express those feelings. Absolutely. If we evolve to be social beings, we definitely evolved to be fearful of rejection because that would mean our death. Good point. Being in the wild <laughs> alone. <laughs> so it's just a totally normal evolutionary feeling to like feel taken aback and a little bit dysregulated whenever you whenever you're experiencing rejection. Okay, so here are some example sentences for being on the receiving end and accepting somebody else's boundaries. Um, one of them being simple. Thank you for telling me. Um, Another one is a lot of emotions are coming up for me. Um, Is it okay if I have some time, a day, an hour to reflect before continuing this conversation? Which is what we just talked about. Taking some space, taking some time before we continue um, is really, really healthy. Here's another example. I am glad that you care enough about our relationship to tell me your needs. Love that. It's so sweet. I want that on a Valentine's Day card. <laughs> I, that is, no. I love that too. I was just thinking that like, man, yes. <laughs> it's like the sweetest sentence ever. I know, I love that. Um, another one is, I want to make sure I'm respecting what you're asking for. Can you elaborate about how this will look? Um, another one is, this is hard for me to hear and I want to accept this. Can I have some affirmation? And then last one I will no longer do blank, whatever the boundary was. I will no longer do that action or say that thing now that I know that it bothers you. I love those. I love having example sentences of how to do something that is like new or difficult for me. Same. Because then I just say that sentence until my brain like internalizes it. And then I can like elaborate and make different sentences. Absolutely. This is like a new vocabulary. I mean, if you if you're not used to practicing this or you're not used to setting boundaries, it's like you need it's kind of like when you learn, you know, French for the first time or whatever language. It's like you learn those little phrases like, how are you? My name is Megan. Like, it's kind of the same thing. Like, like, I will accept this boundary or like, I care about this. You know, it's the same thing. Like, these are really helpful in learning this, this new practice. And it's not, it's not going to be perfect every time. That's why we talk so much about self-compassion. I heard somebody um, at a conference once she was explaining when we initially set up a boundary with a family member, it's like a dance. And you have been used to practicing or doing this dance a specific way for a long time. And when you try to change the steps, it is almost expected for people's toes to get stepped on at some point. It takes time and practice to learn a new dance with each other. And hopefully both parties are being respectful and want to learn that dance together. But it does take some time. I like that. That was a beautiful analogy. I like that. Thank you yeah. so much for sharing that. <laughs> My brain immediately went to the scene in Mean Girls where they're dancing at the the talent show. And Lindsay Lohan's character's spot gets moved at the last second. Yes. But I'm always on your left. Yes. Yeah. And they're like, figure it out. And she's like, I'm trying to figure this out, but this is very new for me. And then she accidentally kicks the boombox off the stage and things kind (laughs) of go. Yeah. Things kind of go awry for a little bit, but then they get into the groove of figuring it out and then they finish the dance, which (laughs) right. So sometimes it's not going to go the way you think it's going to go, but you, you're probably going to figure it out down the line and that's okay. Oh man. (laughs) Now I have my in my head like 
Lindsay Lohan singing and yes, appropriate for our holiday. It is. <laughs> that is actually. Okay, we also want to talk about practicing self-love after establishing a boundary, enforcing a boundary, and even receiving a boundary. Like we've already said, it's so important to practice that um, self-care, self-compassion, self-love after. Because having these conversations, you may feel initially, you know, trying to set up this boundary with somebody, you may feel nervous, guilty, apprehensive. And like we've stated before, we often feel guilty or sad about enforcing our boundaries with somebody else. We typically love this person that we're trying to set up a boundary with. And even if they push our boundaries or hurt us sometimes, both things can be true. So sometimes another family member may even pressure you to remove the boundary you've put in place or they may excuse the other family member's behavior. Like Megan was saying at the beginning that a lot of people in your family are used to this dynamic. So um, you may, they may blame you for causing tension and that can be, that can really hurt. Mm-hmm. So yeah, practicing that self-love and compassion for yourself is really important because these conversations can be really difficult. And going off when other family members or maybe the whole family kind of in- encourages you to drop that boundary. I think it's really helpful to find at least one family member or one chosen family, one person that you love that consistently supports your boundaries and you having backup or someone having your back helps you feel really grounded and supported and secure in setting that boundary. It's really good to have a touchstone in the family. Definitely. And remember, it's okay if your boundaries change. And even if you break your own boundaries, it's a process. We're all kind of learning how to do this here. So um, remember that you have good and valid reasons for setting your boundaries. You are keeping yourself, your partner, your children safe in this process by communicating what, what you need. And remember that you deserve love and respect from others. You deserve to live a good and happy life. Nobody, not even family, has the right to deprive you of that. It doesn't matter the relationship. You have every right to set a boundary. Which brings us to our prevention and action tip for this episode. Uh, We've talked a lot about setting boundaries with others, and we talked a little bit about accepting boundaries. And our tip for this episode is when thinking about setting your own boundaries, remember that it's also important to respect the boundaries of others. So be okay with somebody communicating a no or being aware if you're pushing somebody else's boundaries. And sometimes boundaries are not communicated with a clear or direct no. Uh, It would be great if they were, but sometimes they aren't. Um, It can be communicated through body language or some other form of a no, I'm not comfortable, or just picking up that maybe you've crossed a boundary with somebody. And remember that everybody doesn't have the same boundaries. Something that may feel like it's not a big deal to you can be a big deal for somebody else. And lastly, if you're not sure what somebody's boundaries are, just ask. uh, And whatever answer they give you, respect that answer. So that brings us to the end of our episode. Until next time, speak up, speak out, and be outspoken. 